Good morning again. Hey, let's celebrate those baptisms one more time. I can never celebrate those enough. And we're glad you're here. We're continuing a series we started a few weeks ago called Rediscover. And what we're doing is we're rediscovering our unique uh, mission that God has given us here at uh, New Beginnings Baptist Church. And so the last uh, year or so, our staff has been on a journey and with our elders and, and different leaders in our church of just talking about where our church is, where we're going. And then we have been uh, working tirelessly to be able to define um, the mission of God that God is giving us as a faith family uh, moving forward. And so I want to remind you of the mission statement that we introduced a couple of weeks ago, uh, New Beginnings. We are people connecting people to Jesus and his ever-restoring life where we live, work, and play. This is the mantra. This is the mission uh, for us as the, the, the people of God. We want to be people connecting people to Jesus and his ever-restoring life where we live, where we work, where we play. And on week one, when we introduced this, the, the thing that we drove home is that we, we've been talking about people. We were talking about the fact that this mission statement is something that we, as the people of God, embrace, that the church is not a building that you go to. It's a body you belong to. All right, the church is not a place that you visit once a week. Uh, the church is a people that you are linked together with in Christ for the purpose of fulfilling his mission. And so I'm hoping and praying that this, this mission statement that you begin to see this, this is the mission for your life and for my life and everyone else who are connected uh, as, as the family of New Beginnings Baptist Church. And so that's what we talked about first week. The second week of this series, we looked at the second part of that phrase, that is people connecting people to Jesus. And last week, we just discovered that the sole purpose that we have each and every day as followers of Jesus is to know Jesus and to make him known, um, to use our life, leverage our life to connect people who don't know him to him so that they can experience his ever-restoring life. And this morning... Uh, we're going to move on to that next part, and we're going to talk about the ever-restoring life that's found in Jesus. So if you got your Bibles, grab them, and let's go to uh, John chapter 7. John chapter 7 is where we're going to be, and I think it's significant. I'm, I'm probably most passionate about this part of our mission statement, the ever-restoring life of Jesus, because really it articulates, I believe, what is most often missed in the Christian life. But I think a Christian life oftentimes is viewed by Christians and non-Christians as this kind of stagnant, uh, kind of stale uh, life that we live. There's no real joy. There's no real happiness. It's like, let's just trust Jesus until we die because when we die, life gets better and it's all gonna be okay in the end. And so we just kind of suck it up for now. That's a version of Christianity that so many Christians live. And we fail to recognize far too often the joy that's found in the Christian life and the blessing that's found in the Christian life. And listen, as, as Christians, we understand, listen, the best is yet to come because we're gonna be in the very presence of Jesus one day. But listen, God has, has redeemed us into a life in him. And while the Christian life is not always an easy life, it's a good life and it's full of joy and it's ever restoring and I want us to, as a church, as, as the followers of Jesus, to not only embrace that, but to recognize that this ever-restoring life is what the world needs. The world is longing for something to satisfy the soul. 
And we found it in Jesus and we wanna give it away so that they can experience as well. I was thinking about the ever restoring life and just the, the picture that we're gonna see today is, is Jesus being life-giving water. Uh, a couple of years ago, our family was at, a, at an amusement park and uh, our family, I don't know how your family is, we get our money's worth when we go to those things. So it's like, we go, 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 go. We don't stop and, and it's an all day affair. And I'll never forget a couple of years ago, uh, we, were, we were there at this amusement park and my, my, my youngest, who's the little princess of the family, she was doing what little princess pe- thing people do and they were, she was getting hair done at this park and doing this little doll up thing. And so my oldest and I, we were gonna go walk and, and, uh, with my son and ride some rides. Well, we're walking and my oldest, McKenna, she looked at me and her face was just really pale. And she's like, dad, I don't feel right. And I'm like, oh, what's, what's, what's going on? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. My head is starting to hurt really, really bad. I feel weird. And then all of a sudden she began to like slur her speech and I hit the panic button. Like I literally, Micah Moo is in getting a boutique, getting all the stuff done. And I'm over here and I'm the clueless dad. I have no idea what to do here. So now I'm with, so I'm like, maybe I need to get her to the restroom, but then I can't go in the restroom with her. And so I don't know what to do. And so finally I'm like, I found a worker. I said, I'm gonna go into the women's restroom. I'm gonna walk her in and I need y'all to make sure no other ladies come in here. And I'm putting water on her forehead. I don't know if that helps or not. I'm just, I just thought that's what I needed to do. Well, it got worse. She got to where then she's like, dad, I think I don't, I can't see real well. And I'm absolutely freaking out. And so I'm calling my wife and I'm like, hey, is Micah done? She's like, what's going on? And I told her, and she's like, she's done now. And so she gets out of the seat. She comes to meet me. We get a nurse and doctor involved. I'm thinking, you know, what's going on? Like this, this is, I'm panicking. And the nurse came and they sit down within a couple of minutes. They said, oh, your daughter's dehydrated. Like the worst parent ever. And, um, and so I'm like, she's dehydrated. We've been drinking all day long. Soda and Gatorade. And now I really feel like the worst parent ever because she's like, no, 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 she needs water. You know, like, I feel like, you know, high quality H2O is what she needs. And, um, and, uh, and I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, water boy had it right. And, and so we get her water and she's at this time, she can't talk. She, her eyes can barely open. She's tunnel vision and she's vomiting. And it is awful. And it was amazing that in that moment of just complete dehydration, the moment they began to put fluids in her, it refreshed her in a way that all of a sudden color came back to her face. Her, her, she began to speak again. She saw better. Everything changed just by giving her water. It was literally in that moment life-giving. It was de- depleted from her, but when she experienced it, it changed her in every way. And here's what I believe we we need to discover in the gospel this morning, is that that Jesus is a source of ever restoring life because he's the living water. And this is what Jesus has come to reveal to us um, in himself and in the scriptures we see this. In fact, if you look at John, John in, in the gospel of John and in 1 John, I want you to listen to the reference that he gives to Jesus as life. We're not gonna, we're gonna get it to chapter seven in a minute, but John chapter one says this, in him was life and the life was the light of men. John chapter eight, verse 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have life and in and, and, and him will be the light of life. John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that you might have life abundantly. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. John fourteen six. I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. First John chapter five verse twelve. He who has the Son, Jesus, has what? Has life. John goes on to say in that same verse, "Who does not have the Son does not have life." 
And so what we got to understand is, is that, that Jesus is the source of life. And this morning in the text, Jesus is going to reveal that that life is in me and I am a source of living water that will continually water and give life to your soul. And this is what we need as followers of Jesus to walk in this. And this is what the world desperately needs. And so if you would grab your Bible, John chapter seven is where we're going to be this morning. If you're there, say, I'm there. John chapter seven. Listen to what John writes. He says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. Listen to this. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of what kind of water? Living water. Now he said this, this is John's explanation about the spirit whom those who believed in him would receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, let me give you the context here. John chapter seven, verse 37, is at the tail end of a feast or a festival or celebration for the Jewish people. If you know anything about the Jewish culture in the Old Testament, there was a number of different festivals and and celebrations that they would have as a way of worship and and celebrating the the goodness of the Lord or remembering him in significant ways. And uh, this particular one is the Feast of Booths or the the Week of Booths or Tabernacles. And here's what that that festival was about. If you go back in Leviticus 23, this was a, a, a seven and then finalized on the eighth day festival where they would commemorate Uh, the journey that they took through the wilderness between Egypt and the promised land. And the reason it's the, 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 the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tents or Tabernacle is because what they would do for seven days is that they would um, construct these tents and they would stay in these tents during that seven-day celebration, remembering that, it, that their, their people, when God delivered uh, Israel from Egypt, that they dwelled in tents as they moved through the wilderness, eventually getting to the promised land. And so this seven-day experience of living in these tents and, and celebrating this, this, this memory, here's what they were doing. They were remembering that God provided for them every step of the way. But more specifically, they were remembering God's provision of water while they were in the desert. That if you're in the desert, water is an essential part of life, right? You can't live without it. And so God, in a number of ways of of miraculously providing all of the needs for his people as they journeyed through the wilderness, but the most significant one was the water that he provided for them as they journeyed. So part of this festival was remembering God's provision, more specifically his provision for water. And so this was a a celebration that two things, let me give you some history here. It, It commemorated or it commemorated what God did, but it also anticipated what God was gonna do. And so in this, they were remembering also that God promised that their days is coming when the, the spirit of God is gonna be poured out on all flesh, where God is gonna come, when the Messiah comes, he's gonna restore things and from the throne of God will flow uh, streams of, of water, of life to his people. So that's the backdrop. So they commemorated God's provision of water. They anticipated the spirit's coming th- when the Messiah comes and restores all things. And with that backdrop, I want you to hear Jesus' words again. Jesus, on the last and great day, said this. He says, come to me. Anyone who thirsts, and I will give you something to drink. Come to me if you're thirsty. 
and I'll give you something to drink. One, one other little historical note here that I think we can't miss. It mentions the last and great day when Jesus makes this declaration. What was the last and great day? The last and great day was the eighth day where they would take at the last part of the ceremony. They would remember the water and here's how they would do it. They would go down to the pool of Siloam and they would, they would take a basin of water and they would fill it up. And there would be this huge procession between the pool and the temple and the tabernacle and they would walk back to the temple and they would take this water and as they did, they would recite and sing different psalms and different passages of scripture. One of the passages of scripture that they would recite together as they took the water from the pool to the temple is found in Isaiah chapter 12, verse three. Here's what they would say. With joy, we draw water from the well of salvation. And seven times they would make a trip from the temple to the pool to fill up the water and they would make this procession and they're remembering we draw waters from the well of salvation. Why? Because water, and for those in the desert, it is salvation. It's God's provision. And then they would pour it out on the altar and as it flowed off the altar and down the steps, they would remember there's a day coming when there will be a river of life flowing from the throne of God. And, and they would make seven trips there and back, remembering God's provision, anticipating what God would provide through the Messiah. And then Jesus, at the very end stands up and he says, hey, anyone who's thirsty, come to me for water. What is he saying there? All of God's provision for water in the desert, that was pointing to me. All this that you're anticipating of what God is the Messiah is gonna bring, hey, it's here. Whoever believes in me from their heart will flow streams of living water. What you're celebrating is pointing to me. What you need is pointing to me. I want you to hear the invitation in this. With the context in the background, hear the urgency. Jesus says, come to me, anyone who is thirsty. You say, why is that so significant? Well, the significance is lost for us in America because we're in a first world country. We're in a place where there is water accessible around any corner. Like if we say, hey, I'm thirsty, what we mean is my mouth's dry and I want something to drink. Sometimes we say we're thirsty, we're not thirsty. We just want a beverage of our choice because we want the flavor. But if you're traveling from Egypt to the promised land in the desert and you're thirsty, you know what that means? You're dying. You see, for us, thirsty means my mouth is dry. For someone in the desert, it means I'm, I'm going to die. So if you're thirsty in the desert, it means you're out of water, which is your source of life, which means that if you stay in that condition, you're not gonna live. So here's what Jesus is saying, is if you're thirsty, you, if anyone recognizes that your soul is depleted, is there anyone who recognizes that without a source of true life that you're dead in your trespasses and sin? Is there anyone who spiritually recognizes the condition you're in, that you're thirsty, you recognize that you are dead without life, that you, you need something that would sustain you and give life to you? If that's who you are, then come and drink of me because I've got what you're looking for. Amen. And by the way, when Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, he wasn't implying that there were people who are not. It was, does anybody recognize your true spiritual condition? What you're looking for is found in me. Listen, we've got to recognize that without Jesus, we are not just people who are spiritually wounded in need of some healing. We are not just people who are a little bit dehydrated in need of some 
some, some revitalization. Listen, we are dead without a source of life. Why? Because the source of life is found in the presence of Jesus and Jesus alone. And without him, we are spiritually dead. And without a recognition of that spiritual condition, who would come and drink? And this is ultimately the, the, the problem with the heart of, of sinful humanity. Listen, it's not as though we don't recognize that we're thirsty and that there's something missing in our life and there's satisfaction that we need. Underneath it all, there's just something that's not there. And it's not that we don't recognize that. The problem is with humanity is we don't recognize that it's found in Christ. Is that, that when you look at the world around us, the reason I love our mission statement, we wanna be a people connecting people to Jesus and is ever restoring life because what is defining our culture more loudly than I've ever seen it is that there are people who are needing life. There are thirsty people and we're drinking from the well of politics. We're drinking from the well of, of relationships. We're drinking from the well of substance abuse. We're drinking from the well of success. We're drinking from all of the wells of the world trying to find something that's gonna give us life and we're coming up empty time and time and time and time again. It's like me looking at the nurse at the, at the amusement park and she's going, your daughter needs to drink some. Well, I've been giving her soda and Gatorade. Yeah, and you keep doing that, you're gonna kill her, right? What she needs is something that would sustain her body. She needs water. And what we've been doing is we've been drinking all of the wells of the world, wondering why our condition is getting worse. I'm a little bit better, feel a little bit better, and all of a sudden I'm worse than I was. Why? Because we're drinking from wells that won't satisfy. This is what, what the Lord said to his people in Jeremiah this is the fundamental problem with humanity. In Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13, Jeremiah gives this message to the people of the Lord. He says, for my people have committed two sins, two. And they all revolve around one thing. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And they have hewed or dug out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You want me to describe what's happening in the world right now? And in, let me tell you, let me just say this, not the world out there. Let me tell you the life story of Todd Connitz. Far more often than I would want to admit. I ignored the well of life found in Jesus and I went and started digging my own little wells thinking they would satisfy. So I forsook the one who actually gives life and I've tried to find it independent of him. And it could be, like I said, the well of relationship, it could be the well of religion. I just need to do better, be a better person, pray more, do more, and then maybe I'll find that satisfaction that I'm looking for. And all we're doing is we're trying to dig another hole that hopefully will hold water that won't sustain us. And Jesus is saying, I've come for this. I've come to give you life giving water. I am the one that satisfies. I am the stream, the river of life that has come to satisfy the longing of the human heart. So that if you drink of me, there'll be a wellspring of life inside of you. And here's what's amazing. It's not just life that we find in Jesus. It's ever restoring life. It's life that, that is continual. It's life that's abiding. It's a life that's growing. It's a life that's reproducing. It's not just life that, okay, I take a drink. Now what? It's I take a drink and I continue to drink and I never stop drinking. Why? Because it never stops satisfying. 
And that's what God has invited us into relationship with him to experience and to give away. So there's two things I want you to write down, two truths from this that I want you to write down about this ever restoring life. And, and they, they, they both work together. One is personal and the other one moves you on mission, all right? One is for you and the other one leads you um, to uh, a life of mission. Here's truth number one. The first thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see that Jesus produces ever restoring life in us. I didn't say he provides it for us. He produces it in us. I want you to look again at the text. Look what he says here. He said, in the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. So we come and we drink. Verse 38, this is what happens when we drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So we drink, and when we drink of Christ, something supernatural happens in the soul, in the heart of humanity that creates a wellspring of life, a river of living water that continually feeds us. It's inside of us. Say, what is that? Well, John tells us. Look what he says in verse 39. Now, this is going to be a little bit confusing, and we'll unpack it. I want you to lean in here. He says, now this he said about the Spirit. So this wellspring of life that's going to be in us, once we drink of Jesus, it creates a river. John says that's referring to the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. Now, he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as the Spirit had not been given, not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified, now, we look at that and we kind of turn our head and be like, okay, you lost me, okay? So let me, let me kind of backtrack this. He says, okay, this life-giving water that will be in us, this living water that we will, will satisfy our soul continually, he says, that's the Holy Spirit. But John says, when this was written, but the Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. Why? Because Jesus hadn't been glorified yet. Now, what does that mean? Well, when it talks about Jesus being glorified, it is a reference to Jesus' resurrection, that he has been raised to life and is, is re returned to the glory that he had before he came to earth. And so what John is saying is, is that the, the work of salvation isn't done yet. Now it has been, praise Jesus, right? But John, John is saying, he says, so when Jesus spoke this, he was saying, this is what's gonna happen once I'm glorified, once the spirit comes. So there's, there's three words that I wanna kind of explain this to you with. There's humiliation, glorification, and salvation, all right? So humiliation is the act of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. He was humiliated for our sins. He was beaten, he was whipped, he was mocked, he suffered, he bled, he died, and he did this. Jesus experienced the humiliation of the cross as the atoning work of our sin. And we know that that work was enough because of the second word, the glorification. He rose from the grave, being exalted now to the highest place. And it resulted in the humiliation, the glorification resulted in our salvation. We can be forgiven of our sin and we can experience new life in the spirit. So here's the great thing. This is what John is pointing to. The work of salvation hasn't been done. Jesus hasn't died. He hasn't resurrected. But when he does die and when he does resurrect, those who would believe in him would drink of the living water and the spirit of God would fill them and he would create a reservoir of life, a river flowing through them that will satisfy them now and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, all the way until we are in the very presence of Jesus for all eternity. 
The Christian life is not a prayer I pray and then try to make it eke my way through the Christian life, hoping somehow I have a little bit of happiness and just make it through. No, the Christian life is a life that is filled with the very presence of Jesus in our life where we are able to drink of him every single day. And listen, it is not always easy. There are dry seasons, there are painful seasons, there are barren seasons of life, there are loss that we experience, but even in those desert places within us, there is a well, a river of living water. This is why I have set, I've set in the company of families who are celebrating great victories in their life and when I interact with them, I can see that there is no life, there is no joy, and this is just another thing in their life, a hollow experience. But I've also sat with families weeping over the lost loved one where the bottom has dropped out, and I've seen joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because the source of life was there in the desert. And this is, what, this is, this is the abundant life Christ came to offer. Not an easy life, not a pain-free life, not a, not a life where we don't suffer, but in the midst of it all, there is a river of living water that flows and satisfies the soul. And I'm telling you, I need that. And I know some of you do as well. Can I just confess to you this morning? I, this is not a probably, a, this is not a fun confession. Like, I've been dry this week. Like, I'm just telling you, I needed today. I needed to be here. I needed to hear you sing. I needed fellowship. Because being in this place with God's people has stirred my heart and has allowed me to drink from the streams of living water this morning. So for the believer, when we go to the word, we're not going to the word because that's what Christians do and we have to and I'll feel guilty if I don't. We don't go to church because I gotta go to church. And man, if, I'm, if I miss, you know, pastor may say something or, you know, may, may not be, you know, people might think poorly of me. I gotta get there. I gotta spend time in prayer because Christians pray. That's not the heartbeat. We open God's word because the river of living water is in me and I'm opening God's word to hear his voice and this is how I'm drinking from the water. I get on my face in prayer because that's where I'm, I'm drinking and I'm soaking in the river of living waters. The spirit moves in me as I commune with my creator, as I go to God's house with God's people and we sing songs to, 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 to the Lord. Uh, the spirit of God stirs inside of me. So even like today when I'm kind of dry, there's life. And this is a game changer for us. This is a game changer for us. But this is what Christ came to offer. So look, I want to be a church. Check this out. People connecting people to Jesus and his ever restoring life. I want every single one of you to daily, constantly, every second of your life, recognize that if you're in Christ, the river of life is in you and he can satisfy you through every circumstance, through every difficulty, and that even in the hardship, there's a joy that undergirds it all. That's, that's God's plan for you. That's the desire that I have for our church that we'd be people that just live in the river of life that is found in Jesus through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second truth that I want you to see. This is where it turns missional. So it's Jesus produces ever-restoring life in us. Jesus produces ever-restoring life through us. It's in us, I'm being renewed. 
I'm being satisfied. I'm being restored. And this working through us. Verse 38, I love this, last part. Out of his heart, this is the person who has believed, and because of the belief, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of them. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And check this out. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the imagery here is not just that I've got a river inside of me of life that I get to just drink from the well and it's just me and Jesus and I'm satisfied and I don't have a care in the world and it's just going through life and it's all about me and Jesus. No, 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 no. The point is, is that the river of life is doing such a work in me that he spills outside of the banks into the life of other people. Illustration I use, I grew up in Camden, Arkansas. We had the Washita River flowed right, right through the heart of our town. And uh, we just knew living in, in that community that anytime there was significant rainfall in our county or the surrounding counties, uh, we just knew we had to watch for the river was gonna crest at some point and, and flooding around that area happened all the time. And I remember one particular year, I was actually with some college friends and we were heading back into town for a basketball tournament. And um, we used to stay the weekend with my parents and when we were driving in, rain, it was just torrential downpour. I found out when I got there, I'd been doing that for a couple of days. So we knew that the river was rising and that there was gonna be a flood. And we got word that the school that I graduated from that it was about to be flooded. And so me and my buddies, we jumped in the pickup and uh, we drove, we were so stupid. We drove up to as far as we could get to because the water was too high. And we got out of the truck and we waded uh, up toward the river because that's where the school was located. Then we walked in and we went in there, we got into the school and we were picking up computers and trying to get stuff where it wouldn't be destroyed. But we didn't realize how fast the river was rising and how swift the current was getting. And, and so when we finished this, we go outside the school. Now the water is almost above our head. It is flowing like a full-fledged river. It was like a lake out there. We had no way of leaving. They had to bring rescue boats in to take us out of there. We felt so stupid, it was all over it. We went from heroes to losers like in like 30 seconds. Um, but anyway, so what was happening though is this, is that the, the, the water was so filling the river banks that the banks couldn't contain it that it flowed outside of it. And check this out, and everything around it was affected. It changed everything around it. And this is what happens in the Christian's life when we begin to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, walking in the satisfying power of the gospel in our life, that, that river of living water will flow out of the banks and everyone that we come in contact with will be impacted by it. This is what the life on mission, life on mission is this. I think we make it so, so hard. Life on mission is simply this. It's simply the life of Jesus flowing from me into the life of others. That's the life on mission. So, so for instance, we say we, we, we wanna connect people to the ever-restoring life of Jesus where we live, work, and play. And I don't wanna get ahead into next week, but here's what that looks like. You know what it looks like? Where you live, work, and play. You drink constantly from the streams of living water. You abide in the spirit. And wherever you go, the life of Jesus will spill out of you into the life of others. So at your job, you live life on mission by abiding in him and him spilling out of you. 
So you, you, not just mission trips, this is life on mission. This is every day making a kingdom impact because the ever restoring life in you also flows through you into the hearts and lives of others. You see, when you experience the, the ever restoring power of the gospel, you want others, it's just contagious. You want others to experience it, right? Like if I remember what it was like being in the desert, spiritually speaking. I remember what it was like to have my life transformed by Jesus. And there are men and women all around me who are in the desert and they're dying of thirst spiritually. And there is the channel of the river of life in me that can flow out of me into their life so that they can drink. And guess what? Then all of a sudden the river of life through the power of the Holy Spirit is in them. This is life on mission. It's the work of Jesus in you, flowing through you in the life of others. Let me just say something that's gonna be a little bit offensive. I don't want it to be offensive, but if the shoe fits, all right. And I'm gonna flip it around and be positive at the end. I'm gonna be negative first. You show me a person who's self-consumed, self-focused, who's me-centered, it's about me, my family and my priorities and my busyness and my life with no real interest in the mission of God, no real interest in evangelism, no real interest in discipleship, just being discipled or discipling others. You show me that person and I will show you a person who is not drinking from the streams of living water. Because when you are drinking from the streams of water, now here's the positive, but you, sh you show me someone who's abiding in Christ every day and the joy of the Lord is their strength and they find wholeness not in the things of this world but in Christ and Christ alone who, who recognize that their constant need for living water and they're drinking from the living water and I'll show you a person who will be others focused, who will be, have kingdom priorities and who will then live their life to give him away to everybody that they meet. That's the kind of life that we should be living as followers of Jesus. Overflowing life. Christ in me, Christ through me. Drinking myself and offering others a drink as well. This is how the world gets changed. So your friends, your coworkers, your relatives, all those people, man, they're just living it up and they're far from the Lord and you're going, man, I don't know what to do. I mean, first of all, recognize their need. What they need is Christ. They don't need a, another lecture about making better choices. They don't need more religion. They don't need you to shame them into better behavior. What they need is to find a source of water that will actually satisfy the soul. And if they see you drinking from that well, they're gonna get curious. And when you talk to them, you, you don't offer them self-help tips, you offer them a drink of what changed you. And that's Christ and Christ alone. And that's the prayer that I have for us, that that's the church that we become. And it really starts with each individual in this room thinking about your own life. Where are you in this? And here's what I would say. There are some of you in this room this morning and you need to drink. You need to come and drink of Jesus. 
There's some of you, that's what you need to do. And there's two reasons why you might need to do that. Number one, it's because you don't have a relationship with him. You don't have a relationship. The scripture continually tells us that the evidence of salvation is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Does the Spirit of God live inside of you? Romans says to us, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus. So there are some of you, you don't have the river of life in you because you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And there's no evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if that is you today, you need to trust Jesus. He's saying to you, come and drink. How do I come to drink? He says it, whoever believes in me, this belief is not a knowledge with our mind. It's a, it's, a, it's a surrender of our heart. It's saying, I know that you're the only place that I can find life. You're the only place that I can find satisfaction. It's in Christ and your death and resurrection alone. And I submit myself to you. Some of you today, that's what you need is to embrace Jesus. Believe in him, recognizing that whatever you've pursued in the past is not enough, that it's him and him alone. Others of you, you need to drink from him today, not because you're not saved, but because you have strayed away. You have neglected the river of living water inside of you and you've been taking sips from all of the water fountains of the world. And you've just, there's that sin in your life that's unchecked. You're not seeking the face of the Lord in prayer. You got all this busyness in your life. You got so much busyness that you don't have time for him. And what you're doing in the pursuit of all of those things in the world is you're saying, I know that the living water is in me, but I'm gonna take some sips over here and I'm too busy to find real life. I'm gonna play around in all the puddles and in the, in the, in the pools of the world. And I would say to you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're in a, that place, you need to repent today and come back to the streams of living water. And then there are some of you, you know Christ and you are walking with Christ and you have a burden for those around you. And here's my prayer for you. The third or second really way you respond this morning is by just getting before the Lord and asking God, call by name the people in your life that you're saying, I know they need ever restoring life. God, would you let Jesus flow out of the banks of my life into their life? Would you give me an opportunity this week to, to share a cup of water with them? that they can drink and live. So I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. Let's just stand and then I'm gonna get you to bow your heads just for a moment, then we're gonna worship. And as you stand and you bow your heads, very reverent in this room, listen to me. There are some of you with heads bowed and eyes closed, you need to receive Jesus this morning. You need to come and drink the well of salvation. Trusting Jesus for the very first time with your life. And if that is you today, you know, like I don't have the Holy Spirit in me. I don't know that I've ever been saved. I'm uncertain of, of whether I know him, but I want to know today. I need to come and drink of the river of life. Here's what I encourage you to do right now where you are. Just pray a simple prayer. And again, I, I wanna I say this every week. It's not just mimicking words that I say that saves you. It is a confession of your heart. And so right now, if that's where you are, you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just pray from your heart to his something like this. Jesus, I need a Savior. I want to drink from the river of life. I believe you died and I believe you rose. And I believe that life is found only in you. 
come and make me new. This morning, if you prayed that prayer in just a moment, we're gonna have a time of invitation and my challenge for you is for you as soon as we begin to sing to leave your seat and to find one of these encouragers that are in the section in front of you. They're the people standing in the aisles and just say to them, hey, I came and I I drank today. I, I prayed to receive Jesus. And maybe you just take the hand of someone you're with and say, hey, I just pray with pastor in a minute and I need you to go with me. They're gonna go with you. Say, I'm not with anybody. Grab the stranger or come alone. It doesn't matter. But if you pray to receive Jesus this morning, I'm challenging you. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell one of these encouragers and say, hey, I wanna, I wanna know what it's like to live this life and let them pray with you and encourage you. Others of you in this room, you're in a place of, of needing of repentance. You, you know Jesus, but you've not been drinking from the well of life. You've just kind of been messing around with things of the world and you've let sin in your life. You've neglected your time with the Lord. And this morning you find yourself maybe in a dry place and you've not been able to recognize what it is, but this morning the Holy Spirit has revealed to you. You just need to return to him. Here's gonna be my challenge for you. Don't just stand at your seat and just go, okay, I'll do better. My encouragement to you is to assume a posture of surrender. That's to kneel at your seat, to come to this altar and kneel, to come and take the hand of one of these encouragers and just say, hey, I know Jesus, but I am not walking with him right now, but I'm wanna, I want to return and, and experience the ever-restoring life that I know that is mine and his. So if that's you, I'm asking you, I'm challenging you, don't just passively observe it, just standing at your seat. Assume a posture of action, of, of humility, of taking a step toward Jesus this morning. And as you take that step, and as others who have prayed to receive Christ take that step, those of you in this room who've got a burden for someone who's lost, I mean, find a place, get alone with the Lord this morning and ask Jesus to let the life-giving river of, of, of the Spirit flow out of your life for the glory of his name. God, we are asking you now to move in this place, Lord. We are asking for your power to be manifested. Lord, those who prayed to receive you, give them courage to leave their seat. For those who need to return to you, give them courage to leave their seat. God, I'm asking the name of Jesus that you would bring men and women back to yourself today. And then for those who are burdened for the loss, may we not passively just stand there. Lord, may we actively lean into you and pursue you and and experience the power of you in this moment as we worship. We ask this in the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen. Let's worship. Amen. I am.